Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Howdy! Hey, team, coming up on today's show, our money don't jiggle, jiggle, it folds. <laughs> Plus, Guy Sebastian's fraud case, a $71 million payday for The Bachelor's Sam Wood. All our thoughts from the beginning of that Wagatha Christie trial and then a juicy shameless mailbag. What do you do if your best friend is lying about her face? But first, Michelle, how was your week? I had a good week. However, my week descended into complete chaos when I stumbled upon a certain TikTok. Now, Zara, I sent this TikTok to you. Yes, you did. And you gave me an answer. But Annabelle, yes. you have no idea what I'm talking no. about. No, and you are a little <laughs> guinea pig today, my love. Oink, you, oink. you are our no. guinea pig. <laughs> I don't think they do that. No. You're our guinea pig. And I want to know your answer to this. So everyone, this is a question that to me seemed super simple to Zara seemed super simple but my loved ones have already let me down with their answers so I want to put you to the test Annabelle what is your response to this question you don't truly know someone till you've asked them this question you could have known them for 10 15 years you feel like you know them inside out but the answer (laughs) to this question will change everything you think you knew about them here's the question if I say we have a meeting at midday and then I say, can we move it forward two hours? What time is that? Oh, no, I feel like the answer is obvious. In my <laughs> what life, what is it? 10 a.m. Yeah. Oh, that's what we thought too. So okay. this, this TikTok, and we should have said it's from Erica Ballett, who very famously used to host uh, Sally and Erica on Triple J. She posted this TikTok and it has like 
over a million likes. It has millions and millions and millions of views. And I thought, but that's the most self-explanatory thing ever. Well, that's the thing. I watched this and I was like, well, obviously 10 a.m. And then I saw all the likes and I saw all the comments and a bunch of people think it's 2 p.m., including my future husband. When he got home, I bombarded him with this. Like he walked through the door and I was like, watch this TikTok and tell me your answer. <laughs> and he was like, I don't know, 2 p.m. And I was like, <laughs> who am I marrying? So he thinks midday is 12 and moving forward is going to 2 p.m. Yeah, he thinks if you're saying to someone, can we move this meeting forward? He means push it into like further into the future. Whereas I think it's bring it forward two hours well, this is what's really interesting is when I was looking at how Erica then did another video about it, because I've seen this everywhere now, like it's now on other people's TikTok, people are asking each other. She said for a lot of people, the difference is, which I never realised, people say, bring it forward and it comes forward to 10am, move it forward and it moves to 2pm, <laughs> which I think is completely nonsensical. That is if you are ever using the word, can we change a meeting forward? It's coming earlier. It's coming forward in time. You're going to be doing it earlier than you first plant anyway I are don't you know still who getting married I don't know <laughs> I don't know I literally looked at him and he's like what and I was like who are you <laughs> who are you I don't even know who you are anymore anyway we will obviously poll you all on that one for your say Friday I've got two recommendations for the week hit me does that mean that you're not sure on either of them or you're so passionate on both of them you needed to get them both out I'm excited great about these two I'm very excited about these so did we know that there is a tv series based off my favorite book of all time yeah. Yes, we did. I just haven't got around to watching it. So I had no idea. I opened Apple TV last night and clicked onto this. It is a Korean production. So the entire thing is in Korean and Japanese, but we put English dubbing on top of it and obsessed, like loving it so far. It is such a high quality production. If you haven't heard of Pachinko before, it is a like world-renowned book that was released in 2017 and it went on to be translated in more than 70 languages. It is my favourite book maybe of all time and so to see this TV series, they've kind of taken some creative licence, they've changed a few things, particularly the timeline, but it's banger. How many episodes are there? We There's eight episodes, but they're quite long. They're all an hour. Yeah. Mitch and I planned, we're like, we'll do an episode a night, but then last night did two. Oh, so, that's a good sign, yeah. especially when they're an hour long. Yeah. And Pachinko is quite like a meaty book. It covers a family over generations. And I thought maybe because Mitch is coming in with a different timeline, I was like, oh, is he going to be overwhelmed with the number of yeah. characters, the number of different timelines going on? He lapped it up. He absolutely loved it. So a great one to watch with your partner, either put on sub titles or put on English dubbing. Yeah. How good. What's your other one? I also listened to an episode of This American Life called My Lying Eyes. And it's essentially about people's ability to stare the truth in the face, stare a fact in the face and choose not to believe it. And do I have the energy for this? <laughs> it's very, very interesting. It opens with this hilarious anecdote yeah. about a workplace where sh- yeah. they hire a guy and then the guy who comes into work every day is not the guy they hired. And they're all, they all know that. <laughs> but because they're looking at him, they're going, are we the ones who are wrong? And we're just remembering this guy's face and hair wrong. And so this guy just keeps rocking up who is not the guy they interviewed. How funny. And it starts with that. And it's like, I can imagine myself doing that, that I would think, well, that's such an outlandish, crazy thing to happen. I'm going to trust that person instead of trust my own eyes, even yeah. though I'm staring this in the face. 
Then it goes on to some other examples of the way that humans can avoid the truth, avoid the facts and kind of adopt a different reality. And I will give a warning. Some of it does talk about sexual assault. So I want people to be cautious and wary of that. If you're in a place where you can handle it, which I absolutely am. I found it absolutely fascinating. I found my own experiences being read back out to me really. And it was just a very, very, very illuminating podcast episode. I'm excited by those two recs. Please, everyone, they go sound consume amazing. Yeah, I also listened to a great episode. This is not my recommendation at all, to be honest. But I listened to a really good episode of This American Life last weekend called Off Course, which is about people who had plans for things or had like a linear journey that they were mm. really intending to go down, and they were thrown off course <gasps> for whatever reason. And I find that kind of concept very interesting because it's relatable to all of us. There's no world where things won't throw us off course. <laughs> Yeah. So that's also really good. Well, I, love, I love This American Life. It's so it's fucking good. It's so good. My actual recommendation this week, though, is a two-part series on Vanity Fair. It's like a two-part written series called Scene Stealer, The True Lies of Elizabeth Finch. That is a juicy, juicy title. Now, this is fascinating to me because Elizabeth Finch was once a writer up until very, very recently on Grey's Anatomy. <gasps> really high-profile writer, has won a bunch of awards for her stuff. She's worked on The Vampire Diaries, worked very closely underneath Shonda Rhimes. And it's come out through her ex-partner that she has been allegedly a prolific liar over the course of 10 years and has written many of these experiences that she's had, be it having cancer for nearly a decade, into the show. Stop. So the claim is she's a pathological liar. Yeah, exactly. And that she has been frauding people around her almost her entire adult life, been writing this stuff into the show and then it's come out that none of it was ever true. Allegedly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. And it was so awkward because all of this was starting to come out as Shondaland and Shonda Rhimes, who of course make Grey's Anatomy, were getting ready to release Inventing Anna, which of course is about a pathological liar and con woman. So it's like they're wanting to shine a light on all this stuff while in their own backyard there are allegations that it's being done to them. Wow. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Also, I should say really sad as well, Elizabeth Finch's partner or ex-partner, I should say, Jennifer, who is interviewed for the piece, has been through a bunch and was incredibly vulnerable when they got together and it's just so hard reading these stories when you see people so completely taken advantage of. I love that so much I'll be reading that as soon as we get off this recording. I will send you the link but let's jump into the quick and dirty shall we? Let's do it. So every week guys you know the drill by now we give you the rundown of the top stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Just still obsessed with the fact you don't know that line. (laughs) (laughs) She was her eyes we're darting and she still didn't even nail it. Did I? What did I get wrong? I can't remember. I think it's the top five stories from the rough and tumble of celebrity and pop culture news cycle. I'll correct you. We don't have five today. I oh. think we've actually got more. So that's where I think I got stumped. <laughs> I was so like, dead. I'm dropping words left, right and centre. Who knows where this will end up? Zara Pedantic McDonald. Ah, that is so fair as well. My what first story. Jiggle, jiggle. How documentarian Louis Theroux took over TikTok with a novelty rap song. That is from the LA Times, Michelle. <laughs> I am obsessed with this story because if you have heard someone sing, my money don't jiggle jiggle, it folds. <laughs> I like it when you wiggle wiggle, for sure. Over the last <laughs> week, then chances are they have fallen prey to this rap song on TikTok. Yeah. So surprisingly to some, maybe, this is the brainchild of Louis Theroux, the 51-year-old British documentarian. So 
he has written a song that has taken our generation by storm, but it's actually a song, Zara, that is 20 years old. 100%. So it was actually written when Louis filmed a 2000 <laughs> episode of his docuseries Weird Weekends. Now, in it, he travelled to New Orleans. He interviewed Southern MCs like Melo T, Master P and QT Pie. And at the end of the episode, he competed in a rap battle on the city's hip-hop radio station. Now, this has recently come to the fore because he was on a YouTube series hosted by Amelia de Moldenberg where she asked him about it and then she asked him to rap it and he did. (laughs) The original rap right now. I do like music a lot. I love all kinds of music um, as long as it's groovy. groovy. That's nice of you to say. Well, I mean, I know you have rapped, sorry. (laughs) I I have rapped in a program I did, a Weird Weekends episode about rap. Can you remember any of the rap that you did? My money don't jiggle jiggle, it's cold. So I'd like to see you wiggle wiggle, for sure. It makes me want to dribble dribble, you, you know. know. Riding in my Fiat, you really have, have to, to see it. it. Six feet two in a compact, no, no slack. slack. <laughs> luckily the seats go back, I got a knack to relax in my mind. I'm sipping some red, red, red wine. wine. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Anyway, so that was the original thing you did on the YouTube series, which is actually hilarious oh, like it's I, so good i can't work out if he's joking if he's serious i have no idea <laughs> if it's somewhere between the two and remarkably it's been remixed by a dj duo michelle yeah so this remix came out in march that interview that we just played there zara that was from feb it was remixed in march by a dj duo called duke and jones they're out of the uk now it's gone on to become a piece of content by the likes of Rita Ora, Snoop Dogg, a bunch of people in the music industry and beyond. And according to the Times, that remix has now secured Duke and Jones, the DJ duo, a record deal under Sony Music. Happy stories all round. The best. The weird thing about this story is that Louis Theroux refuses to give quotes on it. Like LA Times reached out to him wanting to know, like, what does he think about this going viral? And he declined to comment, which I just find hilarious. Like, he could not give you... <laughs> He's probably so confused. He's like, what the fuck is going on? Well, I hope it's making him some cash. Not that I think that Louis Theroux needs the cash, <laughs> but I hope it is because it's a catchy, catchy little tune. My second story, The Bank of Guy Sebastian stars epic pay Days revealed he was so cashed up he almost didn't notice a million dollars was missing. That is from the Daily Mail Ooh. and a hugely messy story and a hugely sad story out of Sydney this week because as some people might have read this week, Michelle, Guy Sebastian is of course going through court proceedings at the moment against his former agent Titus Day who he alleges stole nearly a million dollars from him over the course of a decade. What makes this story so sad now is the judge presiding over the case has died just two days after the case started. Mm, Yeah. So the judge, Peter Zara, was a hugely respected figure in legal circles. He ruled on numerous high profile cases. He suffered a stroke just two days after he began hearing this trial between Guy Sebastian and Titus Day. Now, a little bit more information about this trial, which has been put on hold for now, Zara, yeah. but I imagine once they find a new judge, we'll hopefully kickstart again. Yeah, soon. I think they're taking a bit of a breather for a week or so, but there yeah. is a jury on this case. So I think my understanding is 
when everyone's ready, they can replace the judge and keep going. Yeah. So the case itself will see Titus Day pleading not guilty to 50 charges of embezzlement as a clerk or servant and 50 alternative counts of stealing. Now the charges relate to about 900 grand in allegedly missing royalties and performance fees. Yeah. So the trial is expected to last five weeks when it does kick back up, but it comes two years after Day's arrest. And this is why this story might be sort of ringing some bells in people's ears because he was originally charged then with misappropriating the money from Guy Sebastian between 2013 and 2020. Now, the court heard this week before the judge very tragically died that Sebastian only suspected that Titus Day had been embezzling money from him after they'd ended their business relationship. They'd worked together for, as we said, about 10 years. Mm. You can sort of imagine if you have a suspicion about this allegation this would kind of all come to a head on a single day, right? Once you yeah. had that suspicion, you go digging. The dominoes falling. Yeah. I would have loved to be in a fly on the wall in Guy Sebastian's home. The day he maybe started suspecting something was awry here, obviously we don't know what is going to come of this trial, but stay tuned. Yeah, my third story. Bachelor star Sam Wood sells fitness program to my DNA for $71 million. That is from <laughs> news.com.au. We can't go into the detail without saying what, like $71 million. It is an insane amount of money. Yeah. Hugely so. And I think for me, when Sam Wood finished The Bachelor and did his 28 by Sam Wood thing, it was sort of on my radar then, Yeah, but it hasn't been since. And I was having a conversation with someone recently, Michelle, that you were in the convo with and someone said, yeah, it's not on your radar because they're not going for you, but they are massive. They're huge. And I didn't realise until about a month ago how big they were. And now clearly he's sold and Proven me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Sam Wood is doing very, very well for himself. So apparently this fitness program has had more than 400,000 users and has partnered with the likes of Woolworths, Health Insurance Booper and Blackmores. Now it has been snapped up by a company, a US company called MyDNA. It's a company which offers customers personalised plans for everyday health occasions such as diet, fitness, training and even the impact of medications on the body. So what you do is you send medical tests to them, they get DNA results and they tailor a health plan to your particular DNA. It sounds very interesting. It also sounds a little hard to believe from where I sit. I was going to say, do I have an eyebrow raise? Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps a couple. Though it's clearly working for them if they're able to buy another business for $71 million. Yeah, 100%. If you're a doctor, please reach out about that one on Your Safe Friday. We I just have we a vibe. <laughs> we have a vibe. I mean, this is from the website. Seeking to empower consumers to unlock the data in their DNA to personalise everyday health decisions, such as how a person's genes affect the way the body responds to food. If you're an expert in this, come to us. We have a few alarms going off. But you know what? Power to Sam Wood who cashed in big time. Yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of money, as we've already said. Now, the news comes in the same week. Sam announced the arrival of another child with his wife, Snajana, their fourth daughter. He wrote on Instagram... So here's a story from the last five days. On Wednesday, May 4th, one month early, we welcomed Harper Jones Wood to the world. 30 minutes after this photo was taken, Snez became sick. 
really sick and before we knew it, Harper was off to the special care unit and mum was into ICU. After finding an infection that both Snez and Harper had picked up and some incredible care from the nurses and doctors, they were reunited yesterday and both doing well. Scary stuff. Scary. I mean, like massive highs and lows yeah. for that family this week, but thank God they're all okay. Yeah, they're all okay and... Uh, They've got some money to spend. <laughs> Congrats. You know what? They can cheer themselves up with some cool shit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Mish, we are opening the Shameless Mailbag. We are talking about work at the Christie and, of course, we are touching on that story around Chrishell and G-Flip. But before we get there, we need to hear a word from today's sponsor. Alrighty, Mish, my fourth story. I can't stop thinking about Chrishell and G-Flip. That is from BuzzFeed. And this is really one of the stories of the week, if not the month. Yeah. So first, the basics, Zara. Chrishell is essentially the lead person in Selling Sunset. That's the LA property show that I drone on about maybe every (laughs) third week at the moment. So the latest season of Selling Sunset has just wrapped on Netflix. And this season covered a lot of Chrishell's relationship with the head of the property group and her boss, Jason Oppenheim. Now, they were an unlikely couple, Zara. We talked about them a lot last year. Absolutely. They started dating in July 2021. I remember those incredibly iconic photos of them. Were they Mykonos or something? They were on a boat. Dancing on like tables and everyone was like, wait, are they a thing? (laughs) They split five months later. Now, their split has been quite emotional Jason has described and did describe in that reunion special that we actually watched at our desk the other day. <laughs> working hard, working hard. That she was the love of his life and someone he's still in love with to this day. And their breakup almost entirely boiled down to one thing. She wants kids and at the age of 40 wants to start trying now and he does not want them. Yeah, he's at least, like he says that sometimes he thinks he does, but not anywhere near now. Oh, the beauty of being a man. <gasps> oh man, oh man. I'm not sure. Sure. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Chriselle and Jason split. They're done, but they're both pretty heartbroken. And in that reunion episode, we're both crying over that very raw, very recent heartbreak. This is where friend of the show G Flip comes in. Now, G Flip, of course, the incredible musician who we have had on the podcast before on an In Conversation episode, Zara, they have found themselves in this story. Now, in that reunion episode, host Tan France asked Chrishell if she was seeing anyone new, which I've got to say was a weird tone shift after she had just (laughs) been crying about how heartbroken she is over the relationship breakdown with Jason. So Tan basically said, you're seeing anyone new? To which Chrishell responded, I recently have been spending a lot of time with someone that's very important to me. Their name is G-Flip. They're non-binary, so they go by they, them, and they are an extremely talented musician. It's started because I was just going to be in their music video. It was so much fun. We had such a blast. Not everyone's going to be ready for it, but I think it's great. I think it's amazing. The song is amazing. Yeah, it's really all kicking off here, isn't it? So memes were then made using screenshots of fellow Selling Sunset cast member Maya's face kind of looking blank and confused as Chriselle was talking about this. Chriselle posted one of the memes 
on Instagram with the caption, I know a lot of you are confused, but what is important is that I am not. Yeah. On top of that, this week, Chriselle and G Flip also posted Chriselle giving G Flip a handwritten tattoo on G Flip's leg with the words, get me out of here, followed by like a lipstick kiss. That is the name of the single for which they all appear in a music video together. It's essentially the basis of how they met and the basis of this entire Quick and Dirty story. Now, that single and music video is set to be released in the coming days. Originally, it was scheduled for Friday, May 13. G Flip said on Instagram yesterday that they might be releasing it a day or two early, depending on how much hype they could get in the comment section of that post. Now, in that music video, we're going to see the couple kiss. I find it interesting that we've had the Selling Sunset (laughs) reunion, confirmation these two are together, or at least seeing each other. Chriselle was careful to say they're not in a relationship. relationship. They are hanging out, she said. We've also had the tattoo, the post about the tattoo, and the song and music video dropping all in one week. Now, I don't know. I think there are two options here. One option is Chriselle and G Flip are in a loving relationship and they're also wanting to make hay while the sun shines, which <laughs> yeah. good on to be honest, good on them no matter what. Yeah. I really couldn't care less. The second option is this is a great way for people to talk about selling Sunset and G Flip all in the same week. And if you look at the Google search trends for both of those things <laughs> in the US, they have skyrocketed in the last five days. So no matter what. Respect. I have respect. <laughs> I admire it. And no matter what, they're doing something right. Yeah. They're absolutely doing something right. My fifth story, Rebecca Vardy and Colleen Rooney unwilling to back down as the Wagatha Christie scandal plays out in court. That is from the ABC. And welcome back to Shameless, my favourite pop culture story ever. I was about to say, it's been four years of doing this show and we love it. But there is not a story we have loved more than our beloved Wagatha Christie. It has such a soft (laughs) spot in my heart. Like it will forever live in my heart with a soft spot. Now, we need to give some context, Mish. We do. So if everyone can please cast their minds back to the month of October in 2019, because that is when we first started talking about Wagatha Christie on Shameless. You might remember, if you are a long-time listener, this story involves two main characters. They are high-profile socialites and influencers in the UK. One is the part partner of professional soccer player Wayne Rooney. Her name's Colleen Rooney. The other is the partner of another professional soccer player, Jamie Vardy. Her name is Rebecca Vardy. So we've got Rebecca Vardy, Colleen Rooney. Let's go. Let's fucking go. (laughs) Let's talk about this feud. Let's recap, right? Because on October 9, 2019, Colleen Rooney took to Twitter to post one of the greatest statements Twitter has ever seen. She said that she was ready to reveal the results of of an, I should say, investigation she had been conducting for months. Now, she believed that there was someone in her circle, Michelle, that was leaking stories to the British tabloids about her, and she wanted to work out who it was. Here's what she wrote at the time. You're going to Read it for me. Whew. All right. Here's what she said. For a few years now, someone who I trusted to follow me on my personal Instagram account has been consistently informing the Sun newspaper of my private posts and stories. There has been so much information given to them about me, my friends and my family, all without my permission or knowledge. After a long time of trying to figure out who it could be, for various reasons, I had a suspicion. To try and prove this, (laughs) I came up with an idea. I blocked everyone from viewing my Instagram stories except one account. Over the past 
past five months, I have posted a series of false <laughs> stories to see if they made their way into the Sun newspaper. And you know what? They, they did. did. <laughs> they fucking did. The story about gender selection in Mexico. The story about returning to TV and then the latest story about the basement flooding in my new house. It's been tough keeping it to myself and not making any comment at all, especially when the stories have been leaked. However, I had to. Now I know for certain which account slash individual it's come from. I have saved and screenshotted all of the original stories, which clearly show just one person has viewed them. Zara, I'd like to invite you to repeat. <laughs> this with me at the same time it's, it's Rebecca, Rebecca Vardy's account oh I forgot the account <laughs> thing bloody hell now my favorite part about this statement is the like three or four sets of ellipses that, that exist between it's and Rebecca anyone who's read this statement will know what I'm talking about now <laughs> Rebecca did respond and essentially claimed that she was hacked or that lots of people had access to her Instagram account. She also wrote, I'm not being funny, but I don't need the money. <laughs> what would I gain from selling stories on you? Sounds a bit like a Louis through a rap. <laughs> I liked you a lot, Colleen, and I'm so upset you've chosen to do this, especially when I'm heavily pregnant. Damn. I'm disgusted that I'm even having to deny this. You should have called me the first time this happened. Drama. Drama ensues. In <laughs> June 2020, Chapter 2 of this saga really sort of kicked off me because it was announced that Rebecca had filed a libel claim against Colleen, setting the scene for a court battle which is estimated to have already swallowed up three million pounds before they've really even begun. Exy, exy, exy exercise. So, g'day to chapter three of this story because the court case has officially arrived. It is currently unfolding over in the UK, Zara. Now, essentially, in order to successfully defend herself, Colleen Rooney has to prove a couple of things. She has to prove that Rebecca Vardy either leaked those stories herself or was instrumental in having those stories leaked to the sun. On top of that, Colleen Rooney has to prove that her tweet calling out Rebecca publicly and defaming her character yeah. was in the public interest. Surely that's the hardest one to prove. Yeah. Now, what's also interesting here is that journalists at The Sun, including showbiz reporter Andy Halls, have also been dragged into the row and have faced calls to reveal their messages and contacts with Rebecca Vardy and her agent. But there's more because you might be thinking, okay, well, why can't the court just get Rebecca Vardy's phone and look through it themselves? <laughs> if only life was that simple. It's not that simple because there's a little issue. First of all, Rebecca Vardy's manager, Caroline Watt, who she allegedly routinely spoke to about these issues, told the High Court she dropped her phone into the North Sea <laughs> during a boat trip. Around the same time, records of Rebecca Vardy's WhatsApp conversations were lost while being exported to her lawyers. Vanished. And Jamie Vardy's WhatsApp, her husband, apparently his system was hacked, which wiped out all of his conversations. Yeah. <laughs> now, all of that is what Colleen Rooney's team is calling, and I I quote, a deliberate and calculated campaign to dispose of evidence. Make of that what you will. We're just here to give you the info. We certainly are. Now, according to The Guardian, previously Rebecca's barrister had said, nope, Rebecca denies ever sharing any stories to The Sun, nor had she approved or condoned anyone else to do so on her behalf. Mm. It's just that there's been a little bit of a late change in approach. <laughs> a little pivot. Tiny pivot. She's now suggested it is possible that her agent, Caroline Watt, may have acted unilaterally and passed stories to the son without Vardy's knowledge. Yes. The court has also heard that Caroline Watt is not healthy enough to appear or give 
evidence. It's just bizarre. There's a lot going on. Now, Colleen's defence team is trying to say it doesn't matter if it was Rebecca Vardy herself or Rebecca Vardy messaging this stuff to it Caroline Watt. Well, the statement did say it's Rebecca Vardy's account. I wonder if that one word will have an impact. Yeah, who knows? All we know is that Colleen Rooney's team did say this. It's like hiring a hitman or woman. Just because you're not the person who gets their hands dirty doesn't mean you're not equally responsible. My, oh my. My sixth story. Kate Moss's dread over X's explosive new book. That is from Heat. Now, in case you missed it, Pete Doherty, who used to head up the Libertines, the band, and Baby Shambles head up. <laughs> As if he's a school principal. <laughs> Sorry. He uh, used to direct the Libertines and Baby Shambles. I be cool if I tried. He also used to be part of the Baby Shambles. He is. What is the Baby Shambles? I don't know. It's just a band. I know the Libertines, though. I did know some of yeah, their songs. The Libertines is fine. Annabelle, your slight alternative. Do you know Baby Shambles? Don't know. I'm just picturing a lot of babies in shambles. <laughs> are, we, are we showing our age here? I think we might be. We tend now. to every week. <laughs> As I said, Pete Doherty is actually publishing his first memoir, which is going to be called A Likely Lad, and that's coming out on June 16, so in about a month. Now, that book, they the publishing house says, will detail, and I quote, his creative process, decadent parties, substance field nights, his time in prison, and tendency for self-destruction. What a bio. I'm that is in. amazing. <laughs> decadent. Now, parties tell me more now the 43 year old is also set to touch on his former relationship with Kate Moss who is now 48 who he dated for two years now Mish these two dated back in 2005 after meeting at her 31st birthday party and they were I mean Heat Magazine called them like the ultimate hot mess couple which I Mm. feel like really encapsulates it yeah we really can't beat that can we no we can't this was like the pinnacle of the kind of primrose hill set party days over in the uk and of course kate moss was a big feature of that society group so we know that they were notorious for their big parties there were some interesting pap shots around the time they were constantly photographed at festivals and staggering out of nightclubs Probably the best-known photograph of this couple, Zara, was when they were photographed with suspicious white powder. That photo led to Kate Moss losing a £4 million a year modelling contract with H&M, along with her contracts with Chanel and Burberry. Now, at the time, apparently her nickname was The Tank. Because she could down so many champagne flutes, so the news say. I'm so, the opposite of The Tank. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm, well, like, I'm like a shallow teaspoon. <laughs> I was like, what is the opposite of a tank? It's me and I, I have no resistance. <laughs> it's like I'm a tiny hole. <laughs> I'm not even a spoon. I've got a hole in the bottom of it. <laughs> anyway, so the pair were also briefly engaged. He once said, I love her with all my heart. I love her bones. I love her brains. He even wrote, I love of Kate forever with the number four on his car <laughs> after leaving court following another drug-related arrest. Now, yeah. you can probably imagine, given Kate Moss dealt with a lot of that kind of publicity around the early 2000s, that this is probably not the stories she wants dug up, particularly she's a mom now. She has a 19-year-old daughter who's definitely trying to break into the modelling industry herself. She settled down with her boyfriend of seven years, Count Nikolai von Bursmark, if you don't mind. Count Nikolai. Uh, Count Nikolai. Now, this is she's kind of done a bit of a 180 because the pair reportedly, so say the news outlets in the UK, converted the basement of their North London mansion 
transition into a Turkish steam room and a yoga studio take that with a grain of salt because I tried to, as I tried to fact check that <laughs> I was desperately trying to be like this is a really good anecdote that I would love to fact check because it's is that not just a narrative character arc for oh. the ages once into allegedly white powders and next minute green smoothies but as I was trying to desperately fact check <laughs> that line I came across an article from 2011 that is not at all relevant here, to be honest, where a former neighbour of Kate Moss was complaining on the record about a renovation that she was doing. And they said, I'm just actually having a bit of regret about this thing. <laughs> I was going to say, as you paused, I was wondering if I should lean across and be like, do we cut this? No, no it's, in, not. it's in. <laughs> the neighbour gave quotes on the record saying, as well as a tacky gym and a steam room complex, <laughs> there's going to be a basement kitchen. I dread to imagine the kind of smells that will be wafting up. What do, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, it's just a kitchen. You can imagine the kind of posh British neighbour that is living next to Kate Moss, who absolutely hates Kate Moss. But what a tacky Jim. <laughs> this book is coming out in a month while I pivot right back to being on track. And I've got to say, as I'm reading through this, this would be a perfect scandal. Well, I was about to say, do we do it for Shameless Book Club or do we Ooh. wait for the book to come out, all read the memoir and then turn Kate Moss's life into a scandal series? Maybe we'll put it to the listeners. What do you want? I want scandal. I want scandal <laughs> as well. Count for much? <laughs> and also we get multiple episodes out of scandal yeah. and I could talk about Kate Moss all fucking day. Yeah. Hey, that is all I've got for you. <laughs> Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, next bitch. Alrighty, friends. It is time for us to dive into this week's mailbag segment. It's been a couple of weeks, guys. Glad to be back. Annabelle, <laughs> yes. are you ready to do the honours? I am ready. This one reads, Hi, girls. I need you to tell me if I'm being petty or ridiculous. I have a best friend, let's call her Chloe, who has had plenty of work done over the last 18 months. I've been with her to appointments where she's had lip filler and dysport, which is similar to Botox, put into various parts of her face, and I held her hand as she recovered from breast augmentation surgery in December last year. I have suspicions she's had liposuction done too. I totally support all of her decisions to alter her appearance. Whatever suits her is fine by me, but I am beyond irritated with how dishonest she is about it. Our fellow girlfriends have obviously seen a change in Chloe's face and body. Even some of the guys in the group have noticed it too. But when they've gently inquired as to whether Chloe's had any work done, she's always kept her mouth shut. When someone pointed out how few wrinkles she had recently and how refreshed she's looking, she bullshitted about LED light therapy and facials. I can't tell you how frustrated I am about this. I've started stewing on it constantly. Am I within my right to come clean to the group and just tell our mutual friends the truth? Should I confront Chloe and demand she be honest? It's so harmful to mislead other women and I feel like I'm pulling my hair out. If I wouldn't accept this from a celebrity or influencer, I shouldn't accept it from my best mate. What would you guys do? Anonymous. Righto. Oh, okay, first of all, thank you to that listener for writing in with this submission because it is a really, really meaty and interesting one. Zara, I think we can both agree on that. I would be lying to everyone though if I said that I – didn't feel a slight tinge of annoyance when I heard some of that being read out by Annabelle. I'm curious, what, what are your gut reactions to that? No, I'm not annoyed at all because I think there's heaps to unpack here. I think it's not an unusual response to something like this, but it's really important for all of us to unpack why we feel the things we do around people changing their face and their body. I think I'm annoyed by the, the quote, 
They've gently inquired as to whether Chloe's had any work done. I just don't know if that's being entirely truthful. Like I kind of heard that sentence being read out and was like, are they really gently inquiring or are they just trying to like get some gossip and kind of get to the bottom of this? I'd be very curious to know if that's actually the case. Well, it's really interesting because I think as I've sat with this, it's interesting to demand, and I can't pretend that I would be above this, to be honest, but the more I think about it, it is interesting to demand someone to say it word for word. Like, what are our intentions and what are our motivations in saying, hey, Michelle, can you tell me specifically what you've had done when I can tell clearly that there's work being done? Like, why? Yeah. what am I actually trying to get out of this? Because the more I think about it, the more it feels, at least on a surface level, that a whole group of friends are talking about something behind someone's back and then trying to have a gotcha moment. Yeah, no, that's what I think. I think because it's the the group, like clearly there have been discussions about this and there's one girl in Chloe and this best friend, I don't know her name, but this best friend who reached out is clearly saying like, Chloe's the one in the wrong here. She's the one that's lying to us all. And it's like, well, it kind of sounds like you as a group are kind of putting her on the spot. You're expecting her to rattle off all the things she's chosen to have done to her face. And what's the motivation for asking her to do that? Like, why do you think you are owed that answer in a group context? And why do you know that the guys have started noticing it? I also don't like the idea that the boys in the group are talking about what Chloe's had done to her face as if it's like some fun little mystery to solve. Yeah, it's funny because I actually think that the other thing I thought straight away was like, has anyone asked her, especially uh, a non-rider who's clearly really close with Chloe because she's been to a lot of these appointments with Chloe. She asked her why she isn't telling the truth when people are asking because I feel like that's the first place to start. I'd also want to know why she is lying. Like, is she lying because she deliberately wants to mislead people or is she lying because she doesn't feel safe talking about it? I think those things are both very, Mm. very different. That said, when I said before, I don't know if I'm above this, I think I would be annoyed if I asked a friend straight out and I knew they were lying to me. Because there is something very natural to be like, well, don't fucking bullshit me and don't gaslight me. Do you know what I mean? But then on the other hand, I can also say, well, if I can clearly see something's changed, why do I need, you know, verbal confirmation of that happening? That's the thing. Are we playing each other for fools? Yeah, I think they're both, like both sides. I think Chloe's playing the group for a fool and the group is playing Chloe for a fool. Yeah. We're talking about fully grown adults here. Nowhere in that passage was it mentioned that like these are a bunch of teenagers sitting around who, I don't know, might be more impressionable or might be more easily misled than a bunch of fully fledged adults. And I wonder if sometimes we infantilize people when we talk about this. If you're an adult and you have eyes and you can see Chloe and you know something has changed, isn't that enough? Like, can't yeah. you just sit with that? Like, clearly, you you all know her face has changed. You all know her body has changed. She has bigger boobs. She's probably got bigger lips. She's got less wrinkles on her face. I don't understand why that can't just sit with them. Like, yes, it's not ideal that she's lying. And yes, it would be more ideal that we are all transparent and truthful and honest about these things. However... Chloe exists in a world where women are continually shamed yeah. for whatever fuck, like whatever the fuck well, they like do. Literally anything they do. Yeah. If Chloe chose not to dye her hair and let greys grow through her hair, someone would probably ask her about it. If Chloe decided to go down the route she's gone down and really invest money into the way she looks and make that a priority for her, people ask questions about yeah. it. Like she has probably faced judgment as a lot of women have for their entire life about what they do. And it's very, very difficult to strip any of that shame 
back. Clearly, Chloe feels comfortable with her best friend being truthful. She's pulled that best friend into appointments. Would anyone feel comfortable being put on the spot by an entire group of people? Probably not. If people are genuinely concerned or genuinely intrigued or genuinely curious pull Chloe aside for a one-on-one like clearly but she's also, what are you concerned about yeah well, like where's the concern here and I feel like there is so much faux concern when it comes to what women do to their bodies and face yeah I think my perspective on this has really changed over the years because it's funny I think I probably used to maybe probably have on this microphone over the years argue that we all owe each other the truth about getting work done and it's it's not that I don't believe that now I still think the truth helps it's just that I feel less clear on it all now like I feel far muddier and I constantly am asking myself, like, are we owed the truth? For example, the thing that I can think of in my mind is if we use an example regarding an influencer, I do feel like in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of gossip accounts that have been trying to kind of gotcha influencers who may or may not have had work done Mm. and have speculated about that. And I've been asking myself more recently, and I think my perspective on this has changed, are these people actually being truth crusaders? Like, are they demanding transparency around this stuff because they actually want to help other women or are we just trying to shame one or two at the centre of all of it? Like Mm. are we actually just trying to drag them down? Perhaps it's a mess of both. Perhaps it's sort of like this really misguided idea that to help all women we need to drag down one or two and make them the public example. But I, I do think sometimes we fall into this trap of thinking that like one or two often women are blamed for like the entire patriarchy and it makes me think, God, I think we need to be a bit more gentle and go a bit easier in all of these scenarios because the older I get, the more confused I feel about things, particularly this kind of subject. Yeah, I think also common sense goes a long way when you're talking about stuff like this. Chloe isn't an influencer, isn't a celebrity, isn't jumping on her Instagram stories and influencing thousands and thousands of people from a bunch of different age brackets like that's just not happening Chloe is just living her life doing what suits her it doesn't sound like she's in a position of influence really whatsoever so it's interesting to me that this friendship group feels like they're owed anything from her she's just living her fucking life and that's like entirely her right to do whenever we talk about this stuff particularly about filler I am continually thinking of this podcast episode I listened to when I was 22 or 23 and probably far more staunch with my opinion on this stuff than I am here now at 28. And this podcast host was earnestly saying on this episode that she's so concerned about young women and filler and that the young women she's meeting and seeing on television are getting so much lip filler it's literally stopping their ability to speak. Like they've got so, (laughs) and I'm I'm not joking. She was genuinely concerned that women would not be able to speak anymore or articulate words because they're getting so much filler in their lips. And when I heard that at the time, more impressionable, probably not as much of a critical thinker as I am now, I was like, oh, wow, like maybe we are going down a path where women will just be- From no return, we'll be (laughs) mute. Like women will be expressionless human beings. They can't say a thing. They can't move their face. Like what an awful trajectory for women to go on in the future. And then as I've kind of sat with that for five years, I'm like, that is just entirely that host's own shit. I have, I've met plenty of women in my time. I've seen plenty of women on social media, television, whatever. Never 
have I come across someone who has had so much work done to their face they cannot express themselves? And I think that argument that I hear a lot of women parrot when they're anti anyone getting plastic surgery or cosmetic procedures is women can't express themselves. Their expressiveness is gone. And I'm like, okay, maybe like on a very small level that is true, but we so overemphasize that. We so dramatize that, that we have so much faux concern, we completely lose the point. Well, it's also like, you're not actually worried about that. No. You're not worried about whether somebody else, like how somebody else's face functions. You're just, fun to, I flatly <laughs> reject the idea that anyone is worried about that. We're all too self-centered for that. Mm. It is, you're absolutely right, a whole heap of faux concern that we use to make ourselves feel better for having those opinions. And I think think that's a really common thing. You know, the other thing that I was thinking as well about this is when it comes to less about the sort of public figures who do this and more about the individuals in my life, I was saying to you yesterday, Mish, you know, you know what? I actually think I'd prefer my friends to not tell me what they do to their bodies if I'm being as brutally honest as I can be because the less we talk about it and the less they tell me the things they want to fix, the less I'm looking at my own body, the less I'm even conscious of my own body and I want to exist in a world where I, I can do that. I can just kind of not think about, not look at my face and say, well, X person said this yesterday so maybe I should be looking at it the, the interesting part about that is that is very helpful to me at an individual level to say to the people around me, just don't, don't tell me, but not very helpful at a universal level, yeah. I think, because if everybody's just keeping it to themselves, I also don't know if that's entirely helpful too, which is why I'm in a bit of a mess about this mailbag, because with this mailbag, I'm like, stop asking her. Like, it's clearly clear. But then I'm also, on the other hand, thinking, okay, well, what does that world look like where everybody just keeps it to themselves? Do other women feel gaslighted by that? Not me, perhaps, mm-hmm. as I said, I, I might find that easier. But do other women find that harder? Like, what is what is the solution here? There is never going to be one, I should say. Well, to me, I'm like, this situation doesn't even strike me as an overwhelming dilemma. Chloe clearly felt comfortable telling her best friend about so much of this. Yeah. Do we expect that people, what, write like a dossier of everything they've yeah. had in their life and make that public and put it on Facebook and Instagram. Like Chloe's told the people that she feels comfortable around and that she trusts. I don't know why the expect, like we don't expect our friends to come to group gatherings and be like, so anyway, guys, I got my asthma prescription refilled <laughs> this week and I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder yeah. and I'm seeing a psychologist twice a week. Like we don't expect that from anyone. So why are we expecting a rundown, like a comprehensive list of every cosmetic procedure someone's getting? Chloe's told the people she feels like she can confide in. The group is not owed this. I just flatly refuse that the group is owed it. I totally, totally agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. It is just a really interesting thing when you extrapolate it on a bigger level, I think. And you think about other scenarios as well. But I am incredibly curious about where our listeners sit on this and what they would do if this was their friend. Because as I said at the very start, I can't pretend I wouldn't be annoyed if my friend was lying to me. I can't pretend that to be true. I know I said I'd prefer my friends not to tell me. But that's more of like a don't offer it up. If I ask, tell me the truth. Well, two things can be true at once, Yes, right? exactly. But it's been really helpful unpacking why I would even be annoyed about that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it doesn't really make much sense. I agree with your point. Before we move on and wrap up the episode, I do agree with your overarching point that when friends tell you something they've had done, it makes you go into yourself and think, well, is that a weakness of mine or is that a flaw in my face that I need done? Like I saw a TikTok even the other day of a girl talking about marionette lines around her mouth. I had never noticed mine in my entire life. And then that night for the first time, I was looking at mine and then researching what What that that procedure looks like. So I think you are absolutely bang on. It is not clear cut that if we just speak about this, everything's better because it's almost like 
not an illness, but it's almost like a virus that spreads. You put an idea in someone's head that you don't like about yourself and that person starts to internalise it about themselves. Annabelle, would you prefer your friends to tell you that they've had dysport or Botox or filler or would you prefer just to live your life and just... I don't know, find out if you happen to find out. I wouldn't want my friends to feel like they owe me that, like feel that pressure to be like, oh God, I've got to tell her everything because that's the way the cookie crumbles these days. We've got to be honest about everything. I'm happy with the way things are. (laughs) Yeah, which is just rolling through it all. If they tell me, they tell me. If they don't, they don't. God, I've changed a lot on this in the last five years. And I also think I'll probably change a lot on it in the next five years. Like I think I'll be ever evolving in this space because I never feel particularly clear on it because it's one of the messier things to discuss. So as we said, come to us and talk to us about it tomorrow on Your Say Friday. We will be on on Instagram at the Shameless Podcast and I cannot wait to hear your thoughts. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Please follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We'll put up some clips from this episode as we will on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No. Congratulations just before we go on the, oh, yeah. on the launch of your own show, which we haven't Yay. even been able to talk about. That is also live on Fridays. That is Everybody Has a Secret. We have had an amazing response to that show because it is a very, very good show. If We're I very may proud say so. of you. Oh, How are you feeling you about it all? So happy. Everyone's been so nice, you guys included. I love you guys. Oh, Thank no, you. It's amazing. So that goes live on Fridays. We will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Bye. media this podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always will be aboriginal land